Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. podcast, 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 podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dishnomics Podcast. As per usual, a quick shout out to the listeners of the previous week's episode, which was on economics of drip, talking about the economics of the designer goods industry, especially fashion items. So talking about why do we spend so much on designer items? Why is a lady more likely to desire a £3,000 Chanel flat bag instead of getting the Zara equivalent for £70. Why there are secondary markets like Depop appearing, how much money there is on the secondary markets. Why do we still consume? Do Can we invest in these products? All that, all that type of stuff. So make sure you check that out last week's episode. And as per usual, trending Sundays, uh, more of an evening slash nighttime enjoyment where you can kind of chill, have a bit of shisha food or beverage or you could turn up every Sunday keyword every Sunday because people keep asking me when's the next one um, Sunday I'm Um Liverpool Street at We Are Bar you come by Liverpool Street Station you take a left 10 seconds walk you're right there 6 to 12 every Sunday tickets are on shubs.com or you can search um, trending Sundays without the G on Instagram anyway this week's podcast we are talking about IR35 and this is mainly for those people who are employees and their contracts or people who are looking to contract or have friends or family that contract. This is very important information. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. It's late. It's late. First things first, what the hell is IR-35 sounding like one Call of Duty gun? IR-35 is an anti-avoidance legislation that looks to tax those people who are disguised employees for tax purposes. So what is tax avoidance? That would be the best thing to start off with. Tax avoidance is the arrangements of one's financial affairs to minimise tax liability within the confines of the law. So that is an individual rearranging, uh, managing your financial affairs so you pay as little tax as possible, all within the confines of the law. So that is tax avoidance. So IR35 is looking to kind of minimise that from those who are quote-unquote disguised workers. And what is a disguised worker or disguised, a disguised employee? A disguised 
employee is someone who is a, who is a contract worker who actually fills a permanent position and works in the same way as a permanent worker, but instead of being paid by PAYE, where you get your monthly paycheck and usually with your national insurance contributions, pensions, standard income tax, and all that type of stuff. Oh my lord, what a goal by Mares. Sorry, 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 sorry. Apologies, people. The state of the universe was at stake with Liverpool potentially winning the league, but Riyad Mahrez has just made sure that ain't happening, so we thank God for him. MBE for Riyad Mahrez. Anyway, so, as I was saying, this guy's employee is someone who is, co- who is a contract worker who actually fills a permanent position and works in the same way as a permanent worker, but instead of getting paid via PAYE, paying income tax and national insurance contributions, they are getting paid by a limited company and paying, um, what do you call it, um... Sorry, what's it called again? Oh, corporation tax. Sorry, the football game. I need to stop watching the football game. Anyway, IR35 was introduced in the year 2000 to tackle this disguised employment issue in the eyes of the government. And the reason why it was brought in, because the government, of course, is losing out on tax pounds because instead of you being paid, instead of you paying income tax, you're essentially paying corporation tax. So So the amount of money you're earning is far greater or significantly greater, shall I say, than for LTD, than if you're paying PAYE. So, and people may ask, but isn't it bad for the companies? Why don't they enforce this? The reason why is because it's also good for the companies. Why it's good for the company is that the company doesn't have to pay national insurance contribution or give you benefits. So you don't get holiday pay, you don't get sick pay, you don't get access to a gym where they're paying for that. Um, you don't get national insurance contributions. You just come in, work, do your thing. And obviously the in, the contractor gains because you are not paying um, income tax, so it's more tax efficient for you. Your take on pay is um, significantly greater. So how do you know if you within IR35 or not? So this is the term by HMRC, so the tax people then. So here are the so here are some key indicators to work out whether you are in or outside IR35, and this is for you contractors or people looking to contract or those who have family members. It's always good to pass on the information. So control: Are you free to work under your own control, or are you managed by the client? So do you determine your working hours, how often you work? Is there somebody really kind of actually managing you in a? more traditional sense where they you got a line manager type of situation. A true contractor will have more control. You see them IT contractors, they seem to have the world at their word at their arms, or you get or word in their palm, shall I say. Or you've seen um tradesmen come in, contractor maybe in your office and they're fixing stuff. They they're not under the the control of nobody. Substitution. Can you send somebody else to conduct the task you've been contracted for? If you're a true contractor, you'll be able to do this if needs be. So again, if you're, let's say, um, some drilling work needs to be done in the office and then a company sends out their contractor, if one fella can't come in, a next person can come in. You see what I'm saying? Whereas if you're a disguised employee, if you don't, like, let's say you're doing their accounts, if you don't come in, who's going to come in instead of you? Employee benefits. Contractors don't get sick pay or holiday pay. And they don't get invited to the, um, to the work Christmas party or summer party. If you do, HMRC might think that you're capping and you are indeed a disguised employee. 
and you will sit within IR35. Also, provision of equipment. Do you bring in your own equipment? That will be expected of a contractor. Again, if it was um, some builders coming to do some building work in your office, they want to come in and ask um, your manager for some for a sledgehammer and a drill. They will have their own tools. Right of dismissal. Contractors wouldn't have a notice period. So if you do, HMRC might be investigating your ass. So I'm currently contracting. I've had contracts before. They can literally just say, yeah, um, we're over this. And that's it. No notice period. Whereas if you're a permanent member of staff, you usually have a four-week notice period. And some senior people have a three-month notice period. Um, financial risk. Self-employed contractors usually take a degree of financial risk. Are you responsible for any errors made? Will you rectify it in your own time? So again, using the same example, if builders come in and they mess up the building works, they will have to rectify this and they'll have to do that in their own time. Another one, exclusivity. Do you work for other clients? Self-employed people tend to be able to have multiple clients. So if you're a freelance stylist, you won't just be styling one person, you probably have multiple people. If you're a freelance... Oh my Lord, what a goal. Gundahan, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um... If, yeah, so if you're a freelancer, you're more likely to have multiple, 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 well, if you're, if you're really good at your job, clients. Whereas if you're just doing, if you're coming in Monday night to five, you probably won't have <laughs> enough time to have multiple clients. So that is how you know if you sit within IR35 or not. Uh, there is also very fundamental differences currently between the public and private sector. There's different rules for the sectors currently, as you're listening to this podcast, is likely to be May 2019. Public sector, in the public sector, the person hiring, so the company hiring, are responsible to work out whether the contractor that they are hiring sits within IR35 or not. If they do, they need to deduct tax and national insurance contributions properly and also report them to HMRC. So the onus on knowing whether you're an IR35 or not is on the public sector hiring company. This is different to the private sector as of now. In the private sector, the contractor is responsible for working out whether they fall inside or outside IR35. However, there's going to be reform. The next financial year, which will be in April 2020, this is where the public sector rules was now applied to the private sector. So if you're a contractor from April 2020 and you're working for a SME or up company, so that is somebody with 250, a company with 250 employees or more, it will be up to the company itself. So let's say it's Tesco's, it'll be up to Tesco themselves to determine whether you're on IR, whether you sit within IR35 or not. So finally, to wrap this up, some evaluative points. Should we really like IR35 as civilians? and as contractors. So, according to HMRC, by 2023-24, billion pounds worth of taxes will be dodged via personal service companies. So that's via the LTD companies, umbrella companies, basically contractors going, getting paid via limited companies instead of PAYE. So it's going to cost the government £1.3 billion in tax receipts, which obviously could be used to be spent wisely, quote-unquote. How does this affect companies? Well, it's going to increase their level of admin work. So usually for 
for a private company, they'll have a payroll provider if they're smart, um, if it's like a major company, and they just kind of outsource their payroll, they might do it within, and then you just pay people on a monthly basis, they have their salary rates and whatnot. Now, this is added administrative work for the finance departments, HR departments, and if they have a payroll, payroll department. Because now you're having to work out whether, oh, contractor X, is he H, um, IR35 or not? So there's more red tape and administrative work, which is which probably will annoy the companies and is obviously less tax efficient for them as well as the workers. According to the Office of National Statistics, the non-wage employment cost of having staff has increased 3.9% year on year in the three months leading up to July 2017. The ONS also said that since 2000, since the year 2000, which was when IR35 was introduced, um, non-wage costs of employment have also doubled, rising 99.1%. So this shows that ever since they've in- implemented um, IR35, it's costing businesses significantly more money. Similarly, a report from the British Chambers of Commerce and Middlesex University found that 80% of businesses have seen a cost increase this year due to changes in the national living wage, pensions auto enrollment, and apprenticeship levy. Now, further increases of costs are definitely likely. 38% of these businesses said they, said they will raise prices. Obviously, if your costs are increasing, that's easing into your profit. Your, how you determine your profit? Your revenue, so the money you get in, and then you minus your cost, the money you spend making or delivering the good or service. Whatever's left over, if it's a positive value, of course, it's a profit. If it's a negative value, it's a loss. So if you increase your cost, that's cutting into your profit and could potentially push you into lost territory. So obviously, you don't want to hold a loss. You don't want to hold a drop in profits. So what companies do is they, on occasion or pretty often, they pass on these increasing costs to the consumer so they can try and maintain profit levels. So instead of affirming the reduction in your profits because of the increase in costs, you just up the prices, which will increase your revenue. So, as I said, 38% said they'll likely raise prices. A quarter would reduce the pay growth, which is obviously not good for people working because your salary isn't growing as much as it potentially could be. Um, A fifth of them said they will reduce staff benefits, which again isn't good for employees because you want to have nice perks and benefits of working for a company and 20% said they will scale back recruitment which also isn't good because you won't be able to have job opportunities for young people and people switching jobs given that there are are over 5.5 private businesses 5.5 million private businesses in the UK compared to 50,000 public sector bodies it will require a large scaling up of current policy implementation and I also suggest that HMRC lacks the capacity and the capability to enforce IF35 in the public sector anyway. There's just way too many businesses to enforce this. HMRC is already overstretched, so how are they going to enforce this? I don't know. But obviously, I wouldn't recommend um, you committing tax hickey-hagger because if they if they call the police or if the HMRC catch your ass, this economics ain't going to be liable for that. So think very, very carefully before the decisions you make. Me personally, am I a fan of IR35? Of course not. As a worker, um, and, and I know many people are contractors, you can significantly lose out. So one of my friends, she was telling me this week that people, this is in the public sector, that were taking home, let's say, 600 um, a day. Um, I think they were taking home like 600 a day um, after, after deductions. Once... 
they got pushed within IR35, that went down to 400. So that's a third just gone just like that. And obviously these people have lifestyles that they've been living. Maybe you've got your mortgage or you scaled your family costs, etc., due to how much you're earning. So it'll be very interesting to see how this, inf- this impacts us in the industry in the next financial year. But yeah, that's it for this week's podcast. Make sure you check it out on SoundCloud as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And on to next week, peace. City Champions of England, we thank God. Sports Social Podcast Network.